This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey friends, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. I hope you're having a really great summer. Today on All Have Another, my guest is Grace Norman. Grace is a three-time world triathlon para champion in 2016, 2017, and 2022. She's a 2020 Tokyo Paralympic silver medalist, a 2016 Rio Paralympic gold medalist, an eight-time World Paratriathlon Championships medalist, three golds, two silver, and two bronzes. She's a two-time USA Paratriathlon National Champion, a 13-time World Paratriathlon Event Medalist. Grace was born with congenital constriction band syndrome in her left leg at birth, which resulted in the amputation of her left leg and right big toe below the knee when she was young. She competed in track and field and cross country in high school where she became the first female amputee to finish on the podium at a high school track and field state championship. She shares the story in this podcast of when she became aware of the Paralympics and when she started dipping her toes into paratriathlon. She is a very inspiring and encouraging guest on this show full of excitement for her future in the sport and This is a woman who is going to get you excited about chasing some goals, which I know we all want to do. So you can find Grace on social media. She is Grace Norman Try over there. Follow along with everything she's doing. She's doing some really cool stuff. She's super passionate about equality in sports for women and for people with disabilities. And she's going to tell you all about that in this episode. All right, friends. You can find more content from me. Um, I am part of a group called Relay, which is a group of really fun content creators who are putting out podcasts, written pieces. I host a book club with Kara Goucher, and I'm also doing a monthly show over there on Relay with Laura Thweet, our newest member. We have a lot of fun, and it's a great community to be a part of. You participate in like at least 50% of the conversations we have if you want. Um, You can always listen to them afterwards as well. Like we just recorded book club last night uh, where we discussed Des Linden's book, but now it's available to anybody in the community. If you want to hop in and hear what Kara and myself and Peter Bromka and Matt Chittum and some of the other community members in our group over there have to say about the book. It's really, really fun. Um, And you can join for just $9 a month. You get around 20 pieces a month from the different content creators. So just go to patreon.com slash relay to check it out. Join the community. Give us a trial month. See if you like it. And uh, I hope to see you over there. Uh, All right, friends. Please, please enjoy my conversation with Grace Norman. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Grace Norman on the show. Welcome to the show, Grace. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Thanks for being flexible. This mom life has made me a little bit late and you were super gracious. So I always love it when people can, you know, like we work together here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm perpetually running about five to 10 minutes late. So it it works. And I'm not even a mom yet. So. (laughs) I know. I always hate it though because I'm I'm kind of a notorious late person too, and those people that are really always on time feel that it's really rude to be late. So I always feel bad, like oh, it's like not on purpose. And I got into the habit of it when I became a mom, really, because I'd always be like, if I stress myself out about being on time when someone has a diaper blowout or whatever, then I'm just like gonna lose my mind. So I'm just like not gonna worry about being late. But yeah, I feel like it is a bad habit I've I've gotten into. <laughs> I mean, I, I like that point of view. I, as long as you do everything, you know, inside your control to be on time and, and professional, um, and then you clearly communicate, like, I there think it's go. fine. <laughs> okay, so we have to start this conversation by the fact that you live in Bloomington, Indiana. Yes, I just moved here. Well, I guess not just. Um, it's been almost a year. Okay. In last August, my husband and I uh, moved to Bloomington because he started his PhD at IU. 
That is so cool. Um, so born and raised in Bloomington, went to IU. Um, then I moved up to Indianapolis after we graduated. We live in Raleigh, North Carolina now, but um, have only been here for two years. So Bloomington, my parents still live in Bloomington. Um, one of my sisters lives there still. So um, yeah, I'm a I. Anything you tell me about Bloomington experiences, I probably know about. That is just insane. I had no idea prior to this that you were from Bloomington. Um, I have like an uncle that lives here. My parents are both from Indiana, and I'm I was grew up in the Midwest. But okay. to be in the same town that you're from is just so funny. Kind of crazy. <laughs> okay, so. We won't, we won't hang on Bloomington too long. I know y'all aren't from Indiana. There's, there is a heavy Indiana listenership though. That's for sure. Um, tell me your favorite place to eat or get coffee and like to run in Bloomington. Yeah. So, uh, where I'm located is, I think we're, we're really close to Bloomington South high school. Okay. Um, so I run on a lot. I do a lot of my like tempo runs, um, on the beeline trail. Yeah. Um, I do like my easy runs on the, the gravel and then the faster pace on the paved. Um, so, you know, Saturday, Sunday mornings, you can see me ripping along there. Um, I, we, my husband eats a lot of different places cause he's around campus. Um, I don't get in as much, but we love the, I think it's an Italian place called Da Vinci. Uh-huh. Um, that's been one of our favorite places. We are trying different movie theaters. We've been to, I think, the two that are in Bloomington so far. Um, and let me think. What's another? Oh, we just found this new place called, I think it's C3 uh, or Bar, oh, yeah. Bar C3 or something like that. Is that over by, like, the mall? Yeah. 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 And it was, like, a lovely atmosphere, super yummy food, um, and... Yeah, it was like really, really fun. So, and we're still, still trying different places. Okay. Well, when we go home and this wasn't even there when we lived there, but we always like to go to Inkwell for coffee and like breakfast. Have you been to the Inkwell? I have not, but okay. I've seen it and I want to. Yeah, so it's on it, my list. Go this weekend. Yeah. It's really, really okay. good. Um, and then, you know, Soma for coffee. My husband and I, I, sorry, friends, this is not a podcast about me. This is about Grace. I will stop talking about myself in a minute. But my husband and I met at the Village Deli. No way. That's where we worked. Like I was a server and he worked in the kitchen. And so um, I know they're like redoing the Village Deli right now. Is it even open right now? I think so. Um, I think I've been, we went, that was our first restaurant we went to. Okay. When we got here. Yeah, we we got here. We didn't have any food in our fridge. And we we're like, all right, where can we go? Oh, fun. Um, we went downtown and we went there. And so that was back in August. And we haven't been there since. Okay. Um, But it's it's such a nice place. Yeah. It was so good. I think we got like pancakes or something. They were yeah. off the chain. So, yeah. That's well, the awesome. owner of Village Deli, like he came to our wedding and everything. Like, you know, because we worked there for a long time. But he is the owner of Soma, which is our favorite coffee shop as well. So okay. my suggestions are Soma and Inkwell. And then awesome. we always, whenever we do long runs, when we like go home and stay at my parents, do you ever go down to like Griffey Lake? No, I, is there a good trail down there? No. So it's actually like. You're running on roads and it's kind of dangerous, to be honest. I've biked through there. I've yes. been down in that big like gully like yes. across the lake. It's beautiful, but yes. I haven't explored it. Yeah. I mean, I would bike there by myself, but like I, whenever I run out there with my husband, I'm like, I wouldn't want to be out here alone just because okay. it's so okay. secluded. I'm sure there's yeah. lots of females that would feel comfortable, but I'm kind of like, I'm just extra nervous. Um, but it's really pretty and it's like away from everything and um, I kind of grew up out that way, so. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I'll take my husband out there. We'll do a, do a run. Yeah. Um, okay. So I promise to not talk about myself anymore, but I was just so excited to see you were living it's in Bloomington. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so cool too that your husband, he's getting his PhD at the School of Music there. Yeah. He's at the Jacobs School of Music doing um, his PhD in jazz studies. So he's a trumpet player. Okay. How did you all meet? We met, um, he was getting his master's at University of Utah, and I was living out in Park City, Utah, because my uh, previous coach was out there, and we met through some mutual friends um, through social media, and we didn't actually end up uh, meeting while we both lived in Utah. I had moved back home 
um, this was like right as COVID was like kind of opening up again. Um, I had moved back home with my parents um, just as I was figuring out where I was going to live next. And that's whenever we first like started talking, but we hadn't officially met until we were both in Florida for this, like at the same time, he was there for a show. I was there for a race and he's like, Hey, we're never in the same state. Like we've got to meet. Um, and then once we met, we kind of just knew it was gonna, that was, that was it. (laughs) That's quick. It, It was very quick. Yeah. From the time that we met till we were engaged, um, I believe it was only eight or nine months. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then we were married, um, the following year. So yeah, it's been, it's been a fun whirlwind to get to know each other, but I mean, we had just been in places in our lives that when we met, we were like, yep, we, this is it. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's kind of like little fairy tale. It's like a book almost. Yeah. Especially because you guys are like both so all in on the things that you do and they're so different from each other. Extremely different. Yeah. I never like I, I didn't expect to marry a trumpet player, you know, like (laughs) growing up when I was a little girl, I was like, I want to marry an athlete or someone who (laughs) like does what I do. But I, let me tell you, I am, it, it brings so much like joy to my life to have something completely different in the next room and like with me all the time, he brings a very different perspective. I'm a very like regimented person and like have to eat this, have to go to bed at this. I can't have fun. You know, I'm always like stick to my thing. And he's like very, you know, open-minded loves to bring in creativity, but he is extremely dedicated to what he does. And so that's where we pair really well is we both understand sacrifice, um, and dedication to your craft and being the best at what you do. Uh, so that's, I think that really, I, I love that about him and he pushes me to be a better version of me. So, yeah. Does that translate to like creativity in sport? Like, can you bring that kind of like mood to when you're training from what you've learned from him? Yeah, he definitely helps me um, relax and chill, I guess. Like, I have an internal schedule that I run all the time. Like, if I'm not running by this time in the uh-huh. morning, then I, I'm behind. And he's like, really, you're not. Like, this uh-huh. is your job. Like, you have nothing else going on in the day. Like, <laughs> um, so he helps kind of bring really just a fresh perspective to each thing. Um, if I'm, like, struggling with timing of workouts or, or meals. Um, he, he loves just being able to help and bring in, um, just a different perspective and, and he'll, he'll jump in workouts with me and help push me. Um, but really it's like the outside of training that I'm able to use his creativity and just relaxation to (laughs) kind of help with everything else. And and he keeps the, the house running too. So. Oh, I love that. So he works out too. Like he runs with you and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, we go to the gym together and, um, he learned how to swim when he met me and from, from learning how to swim till, till now, like he pretty good. I I was very impressed. Um, he has a bike, especially as an adult to learn how to swim. Yeah. But he's an athletic person. He, he played soccer all throughout high school and, um, and then obviously went towards trumpet, but yeah, he, he appreciates athletics and the, he values movement and strength. So he understands kind of what I do. <laughs> Can he keep up with you? Like if you're going on a run, like an easy run or easy runs. Yeah. Like yeah. easy runs, easy rides for sure. Yeah. Okay. And it's like more, it helps slow it down and help me like talk and enjoy it. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So uh, Olympic gold medalist, can you share with us your birth story and losing your leg at birth? Yeah. Um, so I was born with a condition called amniotic band syndrome or constriction band syndrome. Um, it's a, it's it's called congenital, which means it was at birth. Um, so what that means is I was actually born without the foot. So nothing had to be amputated. Mm. Um, but I am, what, how old am I? 25, 25 years ago, the, you know, ultrasounds, birth scans weren't as good Mm. as they are now. Um, and I'm a middle child, so oldest, oldest child, um, no complications. Me during the whole pregnancy, there was no complications. Um, and they didn't see, they didn't know, they had no idea. They had, they couldn't see that I was um, missing a foot because 
when I was um, smaller and like a baby, that the difference between the legs wasn't as much because you're just missing a foot at that time and yeah. it doesn't stop growing. So really in birth scans, maybe you could have seen it if you knew what you were looking for. Um, but the, the way that the bands cut into the foot, it made it kind of look like a little foot. So like, so, but either way, I was a complete surprise okay. um, as far as knowing that I was going to be missing a foot. So, um, middle child at that time, well, I guess the second child parents were both athletes kind of like, what are we going to do with this girl? <laughs> like without a foot, like her athletic dreams, like our dreams for her are crushed, you know? Um, yeah. So I was a complete surprise. Um, and I imagine like as you're growing when you, um, cause what do you wear now? What is it called now? Like to put on your leg to walk? Yeah. So I wear a prosthetic leg. Um, I have, um, I think I have a total of five that I use oh, wow. in rotation. Uh, yeah. Of like for the different things that I need. Um, but 25 years ago, there wasn't as good of technology. So, you know, my parents looking at a kid with missing a foot is kind of like, how, how are we going to, you know, and like things, the media wasn't as inclusive. There wasn't really social media. There wasn't really, um, ways to showcase people with disabilities and their stories and how they've overcome. It really was just like, if you knew someone or you had connections with someone, uh, my parents had, I think they had right before I was born or right after they had listened to a story of, um, I don't, I don't know the man's name, but he was born with club feet and they were able to, um, I think amputate and give him prosthetics and that kind of inspired them. I was like, okay, we're going to be okay. She's going to be able to walk. She's going to be able to run. Um, and they just raised me with that fighting spirit uh, and like not letting anything stop me or get in the way or let other people set boundaries for myself. Um, so I, I really do attribute a lot of my mental fortitude <laughs> um, to them and how they raised me. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, because they raised you like in an athletic environment, always doing sports like you would do have you noticed like you mentioned back in the day there wasn't a lot of like storytelling and that is one you know there can be a lot of downfalls of social media but that is one really beautiful thing about social media and podcasts and things where you are seeing stories more like did you watch that change as you were growing up and like also what do you think needs to change still yeah that's that's a really good question um like growing up, I grew up in um, West Virginia and then Ohio, and it was a small town. And so, like, I didn't. I went to a small Christian school, and I my class, you know, had like twenty five people. None of them were disabled, you know. And so, like, it was just like, all right. Um, well, I think there was a few, but no, no one was missing a limb. Mm. But growing up, I didn't um, have any way of knowing that there were other people out mm. there like me. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see a few people with different disabilities like in my school, like it was all inclusive, but no one was missing a, a foot like me. No one was running, trying to run with a prosthetic around me at my age. Um, and so growing up, there was no way of knowing that there was a whole community of disabled athletes. I didn't even know what the Paralympics were um, until, cause my family is athletic and we always watch the Olympics and somehow we watched the Paralympics one year and I was like, wait, like this, this is a real thing. Mm. Um, my parents took me to the Paralympic trials in 2012, okay. um, to watch. They were in, I think Indianapolis, um, oh. at the IUPUI stadium. Um, and my eyes were just completely opened. I was like, I had no idea there was this many people with prosthetics and running prosthetics and the ability to run this fast with prosthetics. Um, and then to have an Olympics parallel for us, the Paralympics, is just, it was mind-blowing. So I think, as you said, social media has its downfalls, <laughs> but <laughs> it does it does give us the ability to share our stories and reach people that I wouldn't even dream of meeting, you know? Um, I've had so many people reach out to me, parents of younger kids mm-hmm. being like, hey, could could we have a sit-down with you? Could we talk to you about, like, 
how you, what prosthetics you used, how you got into athletics, you know, how can we help our daughter, our son do the same thing? Um, and so that's been so cool. I think there, there does still need to be more inclusivity in different, you know, realms of, of just being able to like outside of social media. So um, equal representation, just to make sure people of all different abilities, genders, everything, see someone like them that they can be, okay, that's what I, that's who I am. And I can accomplish that too. Um, but yeah, I think it's come such a long way and, um, I am striving to be that person that I didn't have growing up because there, you know, there wasn't the avenues for it. Um, there were so many people that did reach down and touch my life and it encouraged me, um, to, you know, pursue athletics at a higher level, get the different prosthetics. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. And I want to be that on a broader scale if I can. What a beautiful thing. Like what an honor that you get to do that for other people. Like that is so cool. Can you talk about like the difference of, and I mean, you, you know, your experience, but like, you know, this is all you've ever known. Whereas someone who maybe loses a limb when they're 10 or 15 in an accident And I'm sure that like trauma is totally different. So when you're talking to these different kids, um, what does that look like based on experiences? Yeah, you know, it can be it can be challenging. Um, I've spoken to a a large array of people who like when it comes to disabilities, the stories, the experiences people go through they're all over the place. You know, they can come from trauma, they can come from birth, they can come from accidents. It's just, it's hard to, um, so whenever the way I come at it is I explain my own experience where there was no trauma with it. Um, this is all I've ever known. And the way I can help kind of meet them in where they are is I have had 25 years of experience with prosthetics. I, where most, most amputees are, you know, talking like recent amputees, you know, that maybe a year, maybe up to five, 10, I've had my entire life to deal with the growing, changing, growing pains, insurance problems, you name it. It's, it's been, you know, I've been through the ringer with prosthetics and I've figured out kind of which ones work specifically best for me, but also how to help people encourage them to use them. Um, and so what I, love seeing is I love working with people who um, want to use their prosthetics because that's with for me the prosthetic it's it's a part of me Mm. it completes me because I can't do my daily life without it and so in that sense I look at it as like this is a gift it is so powerful it's a tool that it shouldn't be seen as a hindrance or a burden but as excitement of what can I do with this? You know, what can I complete and accomplish in my life? Um, And so that's kind of what I bring to the table. I try to listen as much as I can as far as just stories and how I can help. And I'm, you know, I'm not qualified to talk about the trauma or anything like that because it's, it's not something I have experienced. I can appreciate it and I can um, meet them where they're at as far as now. But um, I'm a huge advocate for prosthetics because they're just, it's my life and it's, helps me accomplish so many amazing things. Okay. I watched one of the videos of one of your triathlons. You don't swim with it on. Correct. Okay. Yeah. No. For Paralympics and para-specific sport, um, you are not allowed to have any assistive device in the swim. Okay. And then you put one on for the bike and a different one on for the run. Correct. Yeah. So I am different where there. There are new pe- people are coming up with all different ideas mm-hmm. now. Um, so some people you'll see they'll bike and run in the same prosthetic. Um, I, I don't choose to do that, but it's just whatever you, the person, the athlete feels is fastest for them. Okay. So for me, I prefer a stiffer leg for the bike um, and then the Oser cheetah running blade for the, the run. Okay. So I have, I have a specific question about the bike. Yeah. Obviously you have trained your body to do this. Like you, this is what, you know, all, you know, are you using more muscles on the leg that doesn't have the prosthetic? Um, I think there is a slight imbalance. Um, what is cool is I have a power meter that measures, 
um, the power out- output from both sides. So that's really cool to look at all the data. Um, oh, cool. Most, yeah. So that way you can kind of tell, like, am I putting more power through my uh, sound side or my prosthetic side? Mm-hmm. So most of the time I run pretty even. I'm like a 50, sometimes 50-50, not really. Sometimes um, like 48-52, Um So we try to keep it as balanced. And if we see like massive imbalances, then that either means I have an injury or I am more fatigued or the fit of the bike is off. But we try and do look at all of that when we're fitting the bike um, just to make sure it stays as even as possible. Because then if you get too much, then you get overuse on that right side. Or for me, that's my right side. Um, But I do feel that when you look at my legs, they look pretty symmetrical, but there is my right leg, which is my non-prosthetic leg, is a little bit stronger. You can tell the quad is a little bit bigger than the left quad. Um, But I've tried very hard to keep that balance between both legs. Hey friends, a quick break here. Do y'all know how much I love Prevenex? If you are in the market for vitamins or supplements, look no further than Prevenex. They are clinically effective supplements that promote longevity, performance, and everyday health. And here's the thing. It's like, If you're gonna put something in your body every single day, you should make sure it's from a reputable company. And I believe so fully in the research done on the products and that they deliver high quality ingredients. So I take their multivitamin every day. I also take their Joint Health Plus every day. I actually just got a new review popped up. The founder, David, sent it over to me because he gets notified when people who use my code uh, leave reviews. And it's always so fun to see that these products are really helping people. Here's a review from a listener of the show. Prevenex is the first protein shake that tastes great and I've been able to incorporate it into my routine. Okay, that's the Nerify Plus that my family uses every day. It's got a great blend of carbs, protein, and fats. And it is such an easy way to grab a quick mini meal after a workout if you're running on to the next thing. So friends, check out their Joint Health Plus, their multivitamins, their Nerify Plus, whatever whatever you need. They probably have it. They have probiotics and they also have super bites for kids as well. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER and that'll save you 15% off your first order. That's Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so let's let's go back to when you went to that first Paralympics and you were like, whoa, oh, this is something people are doing. And like it opened your eyes to that whole new world. So 2012, what, you must have been like 13 or, uh, or 26? I think, uh, yeah, I think I uh, was 25. So I think I was 14 because I was 18 in 2016. When you went to Rio. Okay. When I went, yeah. So is that the moment that you were like, I want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, my parents said that I went there and I came home and I said, all right, I'm starting to train for the Paralympics. Nice. <laughs> At that point I didn't have any running prosthetic. Um, oh, wow. and I thought I was just going to be racing track and field at that time because I was a runner. Um, and I grew up running all able-bodied sports throughout, I guess I'd be in middle school at that time. So I was running on a foot that is very similar to my walking leg, which is very stiff. And there was mm. no, like, there's no, uh, it's not the blade, the spring that you would see in a running leg. Um, so it was ugh, it was a horrible run. I was very slow. But I was like, I'm going to train. I'm going to go. And we're going to do this. Um, and then it wasn't until, I believe, 2014 when they announced that the triathlon was debuting in 2016. And my dad had started doing triathlons. Um, and I was more of a distance runner. I had gotten my um, running blade by then from Oser and was... Um, much faster. And so it became more of like, okay, I can see this dream unfolding and it's, it's, it's coming, it's coming together. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I love that your dad, you know what, he was probably in his, his forties or something. And he was just like, I'm going to start doing triathlon. And that's what gave you the desire to want to do the triathlon. Yeah. I, it's crazy. My, um, my parents were both extremely athletic. My mom ran for Purdue University. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and so she brought the running 
into my family very young and, and they my parents ran road races all the time pushed the baby buggies with uh-huh. like, when that was still allowed and everything um and then my dad was a swimmer and so okay he um brought swimming into us and this so it's all making sense <laughs> yeah it's all coming together yeah so he he um had a ran with my mom you know all the time and, and was a swimmer and so I think triathlon was just natural. They were looking for something else. My mom was doing road races, but he's like, I want to bring something else to the table. So he decided to start triathlon. And I watched him and I was like, this looks amazing. And I think at that point I had started swimming in high school because he was um, my high school swim coach. My mom was my high school run coach. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah. So, you know, the small high school, the parents they but you know, they, they coached some state teams. So, I mean, yeah. they, were, they were good, they were good coaches. Um, but yeah, so they, I, I just, I knew I had those two pieces. I knew I was a good runner and I, I could swim and I was like, I'm sure I could figure out the figure bike. Out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which has proved harder than. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. But yeah, my, my dad was the first inspiration of the triathlon and then, um, it became more of a Paralympic trajectory whenever I realized it was debuting in Rio and, um, that track and field was a little bit more difficult as far as finding distance running events. Um, they only head up to the 400. Um, mm. And so I was like, I need a 5K. And I was like, ah, triathlon, let's do this. <laughs> um, is that still the case? Does it like what it only goes to the 400 in the Paralympics? Well, it depends. So it's on based all on your sport um, disability category. So in my category, they don't even have the 400 anymore. They cut it. I think it's just the 200 and long jump and discus, I think. So it's very limited because there are so many disabilities. They can't have every single race um, because not all countries will field athletes. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge process they go through to make sh- to see, like, which events actually are medal events for the Paralympics. It doesn't mean you can't compete in them. Um, like, I hold world records for the 5K, 1500. Okay. Um, but and like I can go and break the record if I sink if I run at a sanctioned event and follow all the rules, um, which I do like doing. But <laughs> as far, yeah, but as far as like a national a national meet and uh, the Paralympics, they only have certain races. Okay, so I'm embarrassed that it's been so long that I've had a Paralympian on the show. But back in the day, I had Michelle. I think it's Conkley is her last name, and she's a swimmer. Yes. A gold medalist in swimming. Um, and she explained the different categories then. Can you explain that a little bit? Because it's, I mean, it's been several years since I've had her on. Yeah. So each sport has their own way of categorizing. Um, so I can touch a little bit on track and field. I have been out of that sport um, for a few years now, but they are pretty much pretty singular with um, – like you will run against your exact disability. Okay. So that's why it, it there's like 30 plus categories. And okay. um, I think swimming is a little bit similar to track and field. I, I've never done pair swimming. Um, I know they mix it a little bit, but yeah, track and field has several, like a lot of little category breakdowns where like I will only race um, below the knee amputees, I think okay. single and double. And, and even then they're subdivided, but we would race together. So it was very like when it comes to the word like fair in, in categorization, that's as fair as you can get. Um, triathlon, on the other hand, is a bit different. There are only six categories. Okay. So if you can't fit in that category, then then you're not you won't be classed into triathlon. But um, it basically goes on a scale of most impaired to most functional. Okay. So you have your ones of your wheelchair athletes. So, and, and those are subdivided with people who cannot use their legs and people who can use their legs. And then you have your twos, threes, and fours are kind of all in fives. So you have your all, um, your twos and your most impaired that can stand. Um, so the, a lot of, you'll see a lot of your um, above the knee amputees and then threes are a lot of your uh, cerebral palsy and um, neurological disorders. Fours, this is where it gets a little con- confusing because I should be a four. Okay. Most fours, every below-the-knee amputee is classed as a four, except me. I'm classed as a five. Um, I think I am classed as a five because of just uh, speed. And they, um, I could... 
um, protest it and be class mm. of the four, but um, there wouldn't be a lot of competition if I did that. So you want to be in the five? Yeah, I want to be a five. Five, yeah. Five. So five is the most able, and then your six are going to be your blind and visually impaired okay. athletes. Yeah, okay. and those are divided into three subdivisions as well. Um, so the visually impaired get, um, no matter your level of visual impairment, you have a guide that does the whole race with you. Um, so on a tandem bike, tethered um, on the swim and tethered on the run. And so then your so your two, three, four, and five are your standing categories that you know are ambulatory. They can run, um, but using different prosthetics and d- depending on how they perform in their functional tests and in their racing, then they'll be categorized into those. So you'll see a little bit of mix over as far as like, you know, um, double amputee, arm amputees, um, leg amputees, just depending on where that amputation is and how it affects them, uh, we'll put them in the right category. Okay. So is triathlon being added to the Paralympics in 2016? Like that seems like it was a pretty big game changer for you, especially because there's so many limits with track and field options. Yeah, it was, it was huge. I, I never saw myself becoming a professional triathlete. I always saw myself as a professional runner. Uh Um, but I think it just came in at just the right time when I was, um, I guess how I was 18 whenever the first Paralympics. And so it was like the perfect timing to get into the sport and really have a full career to explore and expand, um, my ability and strength. So yeah, it was now like, if I would have gone straight track and field, I I don't know where I'd be. Like I'm definitely not a sprinter. I probably would have tried to become a sprinter. Uh-huh. Um, and so I would have been a very different athlete. My life, <laughs> my training would have looked a lot different. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely different. Okay. So walk us through like that experience of your first gold medal. Yeah. Um, first gold medal was wild. I, I was 18 years old. I mm. just started triathlon in 2000 and, 16 or no 2000 and I would be 16 years old so four, 13 2013 um so three years prior I think I'd only done like two races um the first year because I was you had to be I think you have to be 16 years old in order mm. to do triathlon um at the elite level and so um I was very I was the baby there was there was a few others from different countries um, that were young, but in my category, I was a baby. There was no one within, you know, five years of me. Um, and so, but I had, I had so much just like spunk and fight and drive that I was not letting anything stop me. Um, but I did also feel that I was the underdog and that, mm-hmm. cause you know, all these ladies have been racing and they had established themselves and I was coming in. I'm like, all right, let's go. What can I do? Um, and so going into to Rio, I hadn't, uh, I don't think I'd ever won a race. Um, I had come silver at the test event, the Rio test event um, the year prior, but I had never come gold. Um, and so gold was obviously the goal. I don't think I actually believed I could achieve gold at 18 years old mm. um, until I was actually doing it, <laughs> which was cool. But what I learned after is that everyone believed that I could do it. Um, and you know, your parents always have that, but like everyone had told me that they had believed in me, um, and that I could do it. So that was just, that was really cool to to just have that backing and know how much people really support you. Um, but yeah, that, that race was one, one to remember. Um, I came out of the, came out of the water with about 15 to 30 second lead, um, which I was not expecting <laughs> um, because I was swimming against ladies who were, their background was swimming. And so to have a really solid, which has honestly is proven um, to be true for both games. I can't come out of the water with a lead. Uh, I lose it in the bike a little bit because my bike wasn't as strong, um, but I kept it in sight. Uh, so in Rio, I kept the uh, Lauren Stedman from Great Britain, she passed me. I kept her within 10 seconds. I knew that if I kept her within 10 seconds, I could easily run her down. Um, and so it was more of a, that was a fun moment for me. I knew that if I kept within touch, that it would be game over. Mm. Uh, so once I started the run, it was just a game of 
when do I want to pass? Because I felt in complete control, um, which is insane at 18 years old to have that feeling and knowledge of that. Um, it was amazing because that was my first games and you don't ever forget a first games, um, especially because like COVID wasn't a thing. My parents were there. Coach was able to be there. Um, and so, yeah, being able to have that gold medal and just, I, I knew I, I passed through within the first, um, I believe mile of the run. So I had two miles to fully soak in and realize, um, what I had just accomplished. Um, that was, yeah, it was a pretty phenomenal experience. Oh, that's so cool. So this is a sprint triathlon. That's the distance. So correct. 5k run. What, it, what's the bike and what's the swim? It's a 20k bike, which is around 12.4 miles. Okay. Um, and then it's a 750 meter swim. So just under a half mile. Okay. What is your best advice to people like trying to figure out how to work hard on the bike? That's the biggest thing. Like I've done a couple triathlons and I'm like, I don't know how to work hard on the bike. It's so weird. It is very weird because, you know, in the water, you can feel it. You feel in the water, you can feel movement, the run. It's just, I feel like that's the easiest one to be able to push hard because it's most natural to people. Uh uh The bike is just wild. And especially if you don't come from a cycling background and like it's still taking me you know, it's taking me years to develop it and I'm still working on it. But one of my biggest advice now is learning how to be okay, embrace the burn and the Mm. pain that your legs will feel. Because I used to see that, like feel that and be like, oh my gosh, like I don't feel good. Like I must slow down. Like this is, you know, I must, this, this is just not, it's not going my way. But now what I've realized is that's just my body waking up Mm. and warming up to the fact that this hurts and this is pain, but like, I know that if I push through that in about five minutes, it's going to feel better. And I've, I've realized that, um, just honestly, that clicked just last year, year (laughs) nine of racing, um, is just being able to try, like try different speeds. If, if that hurts way too bad and you blow up and you're not able to finish then take it back a notch, you know, if you're not able to run strong, but if you are, what I found out is most of the time, if you push through and you focus on your breathing, focus on good, strong pedal stroke, it'll slow, it'll, you know, gently move on and you'll still be able to run well. You just have to find that ability to focus on something other than the pain. Mm. So feel the wind on your face, you know, um, deep breaths, look at if you have power, if you want to go on power. That is also a good gauge if, like, you're going uphill and you're like, I'm going so slow. But if you have power, you're able to kind of, okay, I'm doing good. Um, But deep breaths, figuring out how your body reacts during the race is also really important. Okay, but that's so interesting to hear you talk about because I feel like I've used similar, like, terminology and conversation with people who are trying to learn how to work hard when they run. Because, you know, like people and not even like tempo or fast running and put that aside. Like, I feel like so many people who want to run never get past like two miles because they never really fully warm up or understand how to get into that flow. And so us runners who want to learn how to bike, we don't know how to do that on the bike. Yeah. So it's, it's very, what I've learned is it's similar, um, where you have to like in a run, if you just, you know, run out your front door it's going to take you a few minutes. Like yeah. it's a little bit easier to like get your body moving. But like if you, you know, took five minutes before did some, some pre warm up stretches or like dynamic routine in the run, you're going to feel a little bit better. And if you do, you know, an easy five minute run, mm-hmm. you're going to feel better, you know? So it's the same thing where you have to allow yourself time to warm up, which I've also started being more kind and patient with my body is all right well today I'm, I'm gonna need 30 minutes to warm up instead of you know yep. the the 25 that I needed yesterday and it's like your body reacts differently but it's very similar mindset if you take it from the run to the bike as far as it's different muscle groups completely but uh, in like positioning and you're on a bike and you, you know instead of but you're actually able to kind of control your breathing a bit more on the Uh bike because running uses everything. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, it just realizing that you need ample warm up time and being okay with that and giving yourself time to do that really, really helps. Yeah, I I know, especially the older you get to, I mean, you're still so young, (laughs) but like, I mean, I'm like, whoa, I have to warm up so much. And 
it's hard because you want to jump the gun. Like, especially if you're doing like long distances and you're like, I have to do like marathon pace work or whatever. It's like, I just want to get the hard part over with. Oh, I know. But you got to warm it up or else the hard part's going to be so much more miserable. So much harder. And you probably won't be able to hit your paces. Everything will burn. Oh, yeah. I've just realized to like relax and try to enjoy and savor the warm up. (laughs) Because I love the thought of, I love thinking about it like that. Yeah, instead of like, how fast me get the warm-up done so I can get to the workout. It's like, all right, and I'm excited. the workout, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm excited for the workout. I'm excited for that part that I can push. But let's take it extra easy and just allow myself to really open up and get ready for this. And then whenever it's time to go, it's it's go time. And that's another thing. Like, I tell people who are, like, really new to running or coming back postpartum or whatever, like, walk. Yes. Like, even warm up with a walk 10 minutes before you oh, even yeah. start that jog. I... We'll choose to do that every day if I leave myself enough time. Yeah. <laughs> because it is the best way. It just opens everything up. Wake it up. Yeah. Yeah. It gives your time yourself just to breathe, relax, and then you're like, all right, now I can start. Now I can start moving. Yeah. Well, I, I love walking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The only problem is, is I'm like, what if then I don't want to get started? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, friends, I want to let you know if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, I have training plans on my website at lindsayhine.com. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. There's a beginner beginner. So it's a beginner as you can get. There's a beginner intermediate. There's an intermediate and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at, and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles, and I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually, my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon, but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer, down from 146 to 139 half marathon. All right, you heard it from Bridget. Go to lindsayhine.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right, back to the show. Um, Okay, so let's talk about equality with women and para-athletes and the passion you feel to making sure that we have equality? Yeah, um, I think so far in in the world, women equality has come a, such a long way. And I have seen um, just, I, I have felt so supported with, the, especially along with social media nowadays. Um, I know we touched on it earlier, but it, it is important to see women coming out with their, their stories, talking about um, how they've you know, strived for equality in their workplaces and different careers, uh, especially in, in sports with, you know, the recent, the soccer, um, with everything coming out with that and making sure that was equal. So with triathlon, it it is equal, um, with gender, which is, which is really, really amazing. Um, and I do feel a very strong community with women triathletes. And it's really cool to see just how strong women are. Mm. Um, and when it comes to athletics, life, everything in general, um, the, the next part with, with para is, is always interesting. Um, so they, they, we have a Paralympics and Olympics and that is parallel. Um, something that I was not aware of until they, they made an announcement, um, of equal funding, or before 2021 or the Tokyo 2020 games. Um, Prior to that, an Olympic medal and a Paralympic medal were not worth the same amount of money within the U.S. Mm. Um, It it was a huge discrepancy. So with the prior to 2020, um, an Olympic medal was worth 39,000 U.S. dollars. Um, With para, it was a Paralympic gold medal was worth, I believe it was 7,000. So there was a massive discrepancy. Um, and so when it comes to just equal funding, um, the U.S. made a huge statement going into the 2020 
um, Tokyo Paralympic Games and then the, the Beijing Games are on um, Beijing. Was it Beijing? Um, well, Beijing was 20, 2008. Yeah, it was the, the Winter Games. Um, I forget. The Winter Games for us oh. was also. Oh, what was yeah. that? What I, was that? I don't remember. But um, they made an announcement that they were going to have equal funding for both para and um, Olympic medals. So that was huge. Um, as far as national like your, the different sports, that is where it's up to the sports and not really in, um, not really the Olympic committee and Paralympic committee for the U S. So for us, for triathlon, there is still a massive discrepancy Mm. in prize money. Um, whereas I will race all over the world and receive zero money for any of my races. Um, as far as from world triathlon, whereas an able-bodied athlete will race all over the world and a win is, I believe, 18,000. Wow. Um, yeah. And so there's just a massive discrepancy and I don't believe people know that. Um, yeah, like, and most para athletes don't realize that able-bodied athletes are getting paid for their racing, um, outside of like para athletes are, yeah, right. That's how I, you know, generate my revenue is sponsorships, um, through my, through, um, my national, um, my national team funding and that, but when it comes to actual, like, here's your race, you won, there is no money for us. Um, so that, that needs to change. And I'm very passionate about that, trying to find the best way to educate and, um, politely make statements of this is not fair. Um, you know, we are elite athletes and we need to be treated and seen as that, because I think the perception is where it comes in. If, if you're, the sport doesn't see you as, professional then how can Mm. how can individuals how can sponsors see see you as professional as well um so yeah that's it's a huge passion of mine it's it's come more in my in the last few years where I've realized um you know like this is my job I need to be able to make a living I I love what I do um but I also want to pave the way for Mm para-athletes to come so like okay you tell this story on this podcast or you know you share it on your social media platforms who do you like take it to? Because when you, you're saying that people are paid for their medals, what budget is that coming? Where's that yeah. coming from? So they get um, World Triathlon is what um, is who I race for. I race for Team USA, but um, my races are put on by World Triathlon. Okay. So I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I believe that World Triathlon has a funding pool from either the different cities that put on the races. Um, they have to put up a certain amount of money in order to host a race. Um, and then world triathlon itself, I think through donors and, um, different things, they allot the amount of money, um, that goes to each, uh, podium winner, each, um, you know, end of the year, how many people in the top, whatever get paid as well. Um, so it just, there needs to be a better strategy for real reallocation of the money. Um, but it's how can, what, it can't be just as simple as that. It's also what can para do? What can we bring to the scene as far as um, how can we best, you know, have publicity and and bring in revenue um, and make it more enjoyable, easier to watch um, because right now it's it's very hard to follow mm-hmm. um, and and we are an emerging sport. It did just begin at the Paralympic level in 2016, but that yeah, we have a very strong athletes. It is. It is in set for for Paris, um, and it just got announced that it will be in for 2028 in L.A. Um, So, yeah, we are working on the best strategy as far as to do this as as good as we can um, with going through USA Triathlon, asking for their help, um, just learning how to educate people properly and... um, yeah, because like I am very thankful to be able to race at the with World Triathlon, um, and I don't in any way want to undermine what they are doing and, and their causes for for para. But I do believe there does need to be a change for more equality. So, like when you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, earlier you touched on the women's soccer team, and I was thinking, okay, for there to be a change, how how important is it for? people competing in the able-bodied category to speak out on this similar to like the women's soccer team like how important would it have been and maybe people didn't I didn't pay attention for the men's soccer team to be speaking out about it no that's that's a wonderful idea I think it would be a big statement and I think the problem is is they just they don't know yeah they don't know um that 
we I, I've shared with several, like a few of my different teammates just in, in um, casual conversation, but the fact that there is no, they, they are shocked, yeah. um, you know, cause they, they know what they would get. And you're working won. just as hard. You're doing the same thing. Right. I'm there at the same race. Um, and it, it's easy to say, like, see all the successes, the wins. Um, and, the, and then they're like, oh, you don't own a house. You don't, you don't have, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't make money. <laughs> you know, I can't make money from this. Um, yeah. Outside of, you know, my generous sponsors and, and supporters. And so, um, yeah, I think just figuring out a way to educate and that would be very powerful to have them speak out with it. Um, and if everyone was on a collective front, mm-hmm. I think that would be the only way we could make change <laughs> on, right. a, on a global level. So, all right, triathlon people listening, if you're listening, get in touch with grace. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Well, thank you for explaining all that. And I'm, in your corner on that for sure. Thank you. So what are your, obviously we've got Paris coming up. Very exciting. Um, I mean, I don't even want to ask cause I'm assuming the, the goal is a gold medal. Yes. Yep. Goal is a gold medal. Um, the silver in Tokyo was what it was. Um, yeah. so like I would never look down on that performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still very, very proud of that performance. Um, I think I, oh yeah, I have the medal right there. <laughs> um, it's, it's still near and dear to my heart and it's a Paralympic experience, which you can never go wrong with. Um, but I do have unfinished business and want to come back out on top. And that is the goal for, for Paris. It's wild that this is your third Olympics at 20. I guess you'll probably be 26 by then. Yeah. Yeah. I will be, I'll be 26. And it'll be third. Uh, yeah, that is wild. <laughs> like you could technically like be in like six Olympics. Yeah, no, that's that's the goal. Um, I think I was shooting for five and then reevaluation after the fifth one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like it, I know four years seems like a lot and you only have three this time. But like that's it's it goes by so fast and you're like, oh, I'm still so young. Here we are. Yeah, I I think starting young was a nice way to get into it. Um, and then it kind of sets me up for a nice long career if I want that. Um, and I, I do want a family at some point. Um, but I did just get married. So we are taking it slow on the kids front. We do not want kids for, you know, a good, good years, (laughs) good few years. (laughs) Get through LA. Yes. Yeah. That's probably what's going to happen and then kind of reevaluate, but having a home games as my fourth games will be really, really neat. Yeah. That'll be so cool. Um, Yeah. Super exciting. I think it's, it, it's such a neat opportunity to experience a home games um, what, that I've heard from other athletes. So to be able to have that in my career is going to be incredible. Do you all have sites on like where you want to live um, once he graduates? I don't know. We, yeah. we feel very nice and settled here. Um, we are enjoying the little bit slower pace than where we, we were down in South Florida mm. um, before this. So being back, being back in the Midwest is nice to be close to family. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a little bit cheaper to live here. The I feel like I get along with people better here. I, <laughs> these are more my people with the uh-huh. Midwest. Uh-huh. Um, the, Midwest the nice. Is nice. Yeah, you know, um, it's been nice with the the summers aren't roasting. Um, so I don't know. We we haven't really spoke on where we would like to end up, but. Um, yeah, it's really wherever he wants to get, like where his opportunities take him. If he wants yeah. to be a teacher, um, if he wants to um, pursue his own music, both, where can he do that best? Um, and then where where is it safe enough for me to train alone um, and get good training? And we'll kind of just see where, where that all minds. But right now, this, this has been great for us. So uh, what is something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Hmm. That is a that is a good question. I think I I have a few different avenues. I um I graduated with my nursing degree and I have a nursing license, but I have not put it to work yet because I've been focused on triathlon. So that is something that I do want to explore um after my triathlon career is where I can fit in the healthcare and helping and giving back. Um, cause I do have a huge passion for that. And I put, you know, four years of <laughs> hard work into becoming a nurse. Um, 
So I do want to use that. Um, I also want to have a family with my husband and that's just going to be in time. Um, but I do, I, I see all these strong moms, especially on the triathlon scene. And it's been really cool to see them. And, and I know that when our time comes for that, that I will have such a strong support and community, um, and resources to reach out to and, and feel very supported with that. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say those, those things. And, um, potentially open a bakery. Mm, I love it. Yeah, we didn't talk about your love for baking. What's your favorite thing to bake? So far, I've been experimenting with sourdough and um, perfecting my sourdough bread. So, and then using all the discard and sourdough and different recipes, it's been, um, my kitchen can be quite messy at times, <laughs> but, but it is a love and um, maybe in a few years, I'll have enough time to, um, you know, open a small little bakery with a few different things and yeah. You're going to be set up at the farmer's market. Have your, there we go. Yeah. Um, that's my thing with cooking and baking. I'm always like, well, I want the kitchen to be perfectly clean before I get started. And then by the time Me I too. clean it, I'm like, oh, I've lost my energy. Yeah. Yep. That's normally what happens too. Yeah. And, and I always add way too many things that I want to bake in one day and I get tired and yeah. But you know, we're learning. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Oh, I read The Silent Patient. Mm. Uh, 10 out of 10 recommend. It was it was quite, quite intense, especially if you read at night. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I should uh, read in the day. But it was very good. The, the ending will surprise you if you haven't read it. Um, I read that like at the very beginning of COVID, like before oh. we knew what was going on. And we were like all staying at my parents' house because... I don't know. It was like before you were like really, really isolating, you know, and I remember like sitting in their sauna reading it. And yeah, it is like weird. So crazy. Like good, but creepy and weird. So good. Yes. Yeah. So if I wouldn't read it at night, and, but yeah, I would read it. <laughs> read it in the sauna. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you watching any shows right now? Um, oh, I just finished watching. I think it's called Queen Charlotte. Oh, Okay. The Bridgerton story. Uh-huh. It, it made me cry at the end. It was really, just, yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's just it's just like at least the part that spoke to me, like the t- the theme was just loving unconditionally, mm-hmm. and it just I think that's what made me cry was just like thinking about you know that's how I what would want to be loved and that's how I should love. Um, and it was it it was very well done. It had humor. It was the storytelling was phenomenal. Um, so if you like that era, you like the Bridgerton story, then, then I would recommend that. Do you have to watch Bridgerton to watch that? No, definitely not. Um, I would almost, this one was way more tame than Bridgerton. Okay. Um, as far as like for younger watchers. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and so it had, uh, it definitely still had some, you know, a lot of adult themes, but it was a bit the storytelling, I believe, was a bit better, and it wasn't as much. Um, yeah, what it, I, you don't have to watch that one. You can almost watch it after. Um, you can watch Queen Charlotte and then watch Bridgerton after if you choose. But Maybe I'll I, do that. I think, yeah, I think Queen Charlotte was a good way to enter into that era. So your husband's a musician. What kind of music do you like? Oh man, I he's he loves playing jazz. He loves playing hip hop. All everything um I'm not quite a jazz enthusiast I I enjoy listening to him play um and I enjoy listening with him but I would not choose that by myself (laughs) (laughs) so by myself um I now that's coming summer and warm I do love some good country music Mm. um but whenever I'm like working out and just around the house I just like listening to the top the top 40s. I, I do like early 2000 mm-hmm. music. It's just fun. So um, good. In the 80s, like you can't can't go wrong there. Um, but I'm pretty easy to please with music as long as it's got a good beat and not terrible words, then <laughs> then it's good. It's so crazy to me, and I've seen this like memes and stuff on social media about this. That like, so I remember growing up in like the 90s and like the 70s were like oldies and it seems so far away. And I'm like, that's the early 2000s now? That's weird. 
Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's I, it's kind of the same thing where you see a kid's birthday in like 2012 and you're like, huh? Yeah. It's <laughs> and they're, cre- yeah. they're not a baby. They're like 10 now. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you just, you're still in the 1900s. You just missed yeah. it. Cause you're, are you 98? I'm 98. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're still, you're still in that group. So, um, okay. Well, what is your last, oh no, no, no. Who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Oh man, I saw this question right before I left my run and I told myself I'd think about it. And I, I, I would really love to sit down with Allison Felix and mm. just hear her life story a little bit more and just, I don't know, not, not about like, you know, what are your tips and tricks? Just like, just more about her. Um, I have always looked up to her. Um, she was always the person that my family would watch when we were a kid on TV because she's been to so many different Olympics. She's just such a decorated athlete and now a mom um, and just holds so many different amazing values. Uh, so I think that would be who I would want to. Okay. I love that you have that answer. She, when I started this podcast seven years ago, she was like on my list of like dream guests and I still haven't booked her. Um, you and I, I'm trying, like I have tried, she, I've tried harder for her than anybody else. And I've had like, you know, big names on, but I cannot get her on my show. And every time she's like on another podcast, I'm like, really? Like I've been trying for seven years, <laughs> seven years. So oh, well, my heart is with you. I, and if right, you ever, right. if you ever get that opportunity, I won't be jealous. I'll just be excited for you. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about her. I mean, talk about yeah. someone who's paved the way and just yeah. done everything with like so much class and um, yeah, I love her so much. So Allison, yeah. I know you're not listening, but if someone who knows you is listening, let's do this for myself and for Grace. <laughs> um, okay. What is your last message to leave with the audience? Last message? Um, I would say something that I have really been focusing on in the past, I guess, months, few months is don't compare yourself with other people. It is so easy in this world to get caught up with comparison. I find myself doing it every day, many hours of the day, and it immediately shifts my mood to worse. Mm -hmm. And it immediately puts what you are doing at a lesser level than what it should be. And really, no one cares what you wear, how you look. That should only matter to you. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you fulfilled in life and follow the dream that is going to meet those things. Mm-hmm. Um, not what someone told you you should do or or what you see on social media, especially social media. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others um, and enjoy enjoy this upcoming season in your life. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Grace, for coming on the show. Again, you all can find Grace on social media. She is Grace Norman Tri, T-R-I, on Instagram. You can find me. I'm lindsayhines 626 I'd love to connect with you. You can learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here and we will see you next week on All Have Another.